Welcome to the Music Grind Podcast. This is episode 7. Welcome back to the Music Grind. This is the uh, podcast where I talk to working musicians and we get a little bit of insight into what it's like to be a working musician. We get a kind of a day in the life, a schedule, what's it like to be on tour, uh, what kind of work do we need to do, that kind of thing. So if you're not a musician, this is a great time to get to know some of what we do. And if you are a musician and you've ever had somebody ask you what it is you do, uh, hopefully this will help you explain it to them. Uh, let them know about this podcast. And speaking of which, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you're listening to it right now. Uh, thank you for that, first of all. Um, but we are available. Uh, this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher. Leave a rating uh, or a review or both. Tell your friends. Right now, I think that's the best way to, to get the word out is word of mouth. If you're enjoying the if you're enjoying the podcast, the content of it, let somebody know. Let them hear it. I'm actually I'm also a working musician, and I'm actually going to a gig later tonight. I'm recording this uh, in the afternoon, and I right out, as soon as I'm done here, I got to get ready to uh, to get to my gig. I have a song to learn before uh, before I go. I have to make sure all my cables are in order. My bass. I just got back. I just got my bass back from the repair shop. Um, uh, another one that you know I have. I had another one that I could use, but uh, the this bass that I got back is is special. I just got it back. I'm excited to play it. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and actually, we're gonna get more into like tools of the trade. Uh, kind of stuff later on so keep look forward to that i've got more content ideas uh anyways the point of today's episode isn't me or my bass um even though i don't mind talking about my bass and if you don't mind hearing about it i can talk more but today's episode is an interview with a great drummer friend of mine mike pinder uh, he's a he's actually based kind of in Orlando, but he works Orlando and Tampa. He's a drummer and a music director. He's got his own original band. He's working in a few cover bands and freelancing all over the place. He works at a local theme park here, Bush Gardens. So he's he's a pretty busy guy. And this this interviews uh, we we get into a lot of stuff. He has a lot to say. But we talk about some stuff, um, you know, making good use of your time, um, expanding your musical knowledge. And if you've noticed the title of the podcast, um, he explains, I, I had to name it that. And that's his philosophy, which I love I, I, and I agree with it. And he explains it. So I'm going to let him explain why this uh, podcast episode is titled the way it is. So... Without further ado, Mike Pinder. Uh, well, thanks for being here. Oh, of course, thank you for uh, having me. So, you're a drummer mm -hmm. playing at Bush Gardens. Yes. Um, how did you start out 
on the drums, or is that your first instrument? Yes, that, um, for yeah. my first serious instrument. So okay. my dad was a musician, so and he played guitar and woodwinds. Um, he played piano a little bit. So when I was younger, I had to learn something. Yeah. Um, but you had I, to. I had to, yeah. yeah. And so I started guitar, and it didn't stick. And then I started piano, and that didn't stick. <laughs> and then I saw uh, Ringo Starr. Uh, my dad had, was a huge Beatles fan, and I loved Ringo. So yeah. um, when I was probably about five or so, it was like when I was like, oh, I'm going to be a drummer, ha, 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 you know? And uh, I, I started seriously studying it when I was 10. Um, that's when I started taking lessons, and I started doing like symphonic band and school oh, yeah? and stuff. Yeah. I did that for from middle school through high school. Um, so you started right away reading and, and the mm-hmm. whole deal. I knew how to read beforehand because my my dad taught me when I was younger. Um, So I started really delving into reading and quote unquote music theory at that age. Right. Um, But at the same time, uh, my dad was the music director at our church. He's a pastor as well, but he got me into the band. So when I was 10, I was playing hand percussion next to an actual drummer. And I've been doing that every single weekend up until I was 24. I worked at that church. Um, So that's how I got started. Um, I was taking private lessons at the same time. And the private lessons were on drum set. Um, So that's how I got started. Uh, Through middle school and high school, um, I started learning all types of hand drums and symphonic percussion. So the school I went to was uh, taught, it had two well, like well-known percussion instructors teaching. What school was that? That was Timber Creek High School. Um, and when they first opened, they had Cliff Walker, um, who was the main guy. He was, he was sponsored by Promark, and he's still now with a bunch of drum corps. Um, the other guy was Rhett Cox, and I believe he's still there. Um, and they just, they really pounded into me that I need to know a lot. Yeah. Of different instruments. If yeah. you want to do anything with music, you got to be able to play anything. Um, I never took that advice. <laughs> I, but I learned everything about drums I could. Okay. You know, so uh, everything from congas to tablas to doombecks to timpanis to xylophone to uh, multi-mallet percussion. So with xylophone and mm-hmm. the mallet percussion, you had to learn notes and you yeah. had to know Yeah, that. definitely. And I, I so, had to be able to not sight read, but at least be able to read You know, well enough to keep up with everyone did any of did any of the time on piano transfer no, over that didn't transfer no. over at all <laughs> uh i wish it did because yeah. some of the some of the kids had done piano up until high school and they were just flying through and they were just killing everybody yeah. and i'm over here i can read rhythm really well but you know like wait okay so f a c you know uh so um but as i did it more often obviously you, you know you get a little bit better at it um, I did a lot of steel drum work, so that involved a lot of reading as well over there. Um, and then I got accepted into uh, the percussion program at UCF, okay. and I did not go. Oh, really? I, I went instead. I studied philosophy and religion um, because at UCF. At UCF. Okay, but I, did, I didn't want to do the percussion program, and not to like you know smack talk anybody. <laughs> um, but the you know I I knew a lot of friends going into the the program from high school going into college and studying yeah. music and within a year they came out and they were just very pretentious and very jaded about music and they got to the point where they were like oh, i can't listen to this music because it's so beneath me you know <laughs> yeah and really. that turned me off yeah. you know and i was like i don't want to be that person you know i, I can't imagine myself not loving any style of music mm-hmm. 
So I just didn't go. Um, and I kick my butt about that every once in a while. Um, uh, and like regretting it. Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Regretting it. Yeah. Um, because I can't imagine what I would have learned. Yeah. They, they had amazing teachers there. Uh, the guys that did carry on in percussion are fantastic musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to, to think I could have been involved in that and have that type of influence on me when I was at that age. Right. I'm very jealous of that person who I could old, have been. How old is that? Like roughly 18 or yeah, something? Yeah, like I was 18. Fresh into college. Yeah, right? I, I, I was 18 when I got accepted into okay. the studio and I was 18 when I turned it down. Yeah. Um, so that's unfortunate. Um, but I started working in the live local scene over okay. in Orlando. And that starts off with cover bands. Okay. Um, so I did that for about a year. And it wasn't, you know, enough to write home about, you know, I wasn't yeah. making enough money to, I, I still worked at a coffee shop, you know, I right. still had to um, do jobs I didn't want to do, had to wash dishes and stuff. So uh, I eventually started working with original bands over in Orlando. And I would just get, you know, work with whatever artists I could find who needed a drummer for whatever reason. And I started I met up with some guys and we started our own band and that band eventually was able to tour and we got signed and we were able to put out a, a record and we started working on another record and then things folded. Right. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. What's the name of that band? Uh, the rise of defiance. Yeah. That, that band is no longer around, unfortunately. Um, but you know, it's fine. We, we, we're all still good friends and we still talk to each other. Just, yeah. you know, things don't work out during that time. I was with that. I was with that band for about five years. And when I was with that band, I was still working with other other musicians as like a, as a freelancer. Yeah, pretty yeah. much, but not getting paid, right? Oh, because okay. it's all original music. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and um, after that band ended, I landed a cool deal with the Full Sail uh, School over there, where sometimes they would need a band to come in and just track for the yeah. students to learn. So I got kind of on that roster where they would call people, and yeah. so just random times I would go do that. Again, didn't pay much, but uh, I was, you know, what, 21, 22 at the time. So I was super excited about it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I, I was still working with other bands in the area, just doing whatever. And then my first real, quote unquote, like paying gig <laughs> was a reggae ska band over on the East Coast on Merritt Island. But okay. we would do Daytona Beach. We would do everything up and down the coast. And I did that for about four months. Um, and I was about 24, 25 when I was doing that. And then, um, on a whim, I came to Tampa and I auditioned at Bush gardens, um, just to see what the audition process was like. I didn't think I was going to land anything. I just wanted to pursue my career and I wanted to see what auditions were going to be like to that way the next one I can know what to expect better. Right. You know, like that's really what my mindset was. So I went in, uh, did the audition. Um, and then a couple months later, later I got called and I did a call back and then they offered me a job and I've been with that company for the past six years now. That was 2012. Yeah. That I, that I got with them. Did you, did you also audition, for you know universal and disney or not at that time and uh, i have since then yeah um one of them <laughs> one of them was a pretty bad audition like i knew it was a bad audition yeah. and it's i was so grateful to have that bad audition oh yeah yeah okay. because it for me 
seeing my failures that uh-huh. that just raw right like there is no excuse you could not do this thing <laughs> it, it's it's heartbreaking in a little bit but it's also very refreshing like i still have something i need to learn and now i know what like it was it was a very easy high school level thing and mm-hmm. back in high school i could have done it but because that was 10 years ago for me i hadn't practiced those that type of drumming that type of rudiments oh okay um so you so did it just come down to like you weren't prepared? Yeah, for yeah. for that audition, definitely. Right. Yeah, man. Um, and it's it's very funny because ironic because me and a drummer friend of mine two weeks before then were talking about something that kind of related to that particular rudiment and oh. how he had designed a whole exercise program based around that rudiment. Uh-huh. And had I started doing that, I probably wouldn't been a little more prepared, you yeah. know. So it was refreshing in that sense. It's like I still got a lot to learn. And I'm never going to be done learning here. And now I know, okay, cool. Like this is something I'm not good at. So I can take that now, go home, start working on it so that the next time an audition comes up that has that particular thing, now I'm more prepared, you know? Even, even just to uh, prepare for an audition, don't go to an audition, like just thinking, oh, well, whatever. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Like. Try and do as much. I mean, if you want the job that bad, yeah. do as much research as possible. Like, I, to be fair, I did not know what show they were going to ask me to learn. Okay. I didn't know what like it was a new show they were producing at the time. So I went in thinking maybe it's going to be drum set, and it wasn't. Yeah. It was more of a stomp kind of trash can. Yeah, exactly. Kind of, like, yeah. like and it's, it's all based more on rudiment stuff. Yeah. Um, which again, like I know enough about, but I just you know in my line of work. That's not something I practice all the time. Right. And that's why you need to practice your rudiment, kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so, so since then, I've had other auditions. Um, I did have one good audition for Disney. They haven't called me back. Right. Um, not surprised, you know? Sure. Yeah. They have hundreds of people auditioning. Yeah, man. And so. I, I know some of the cats in Orlando. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're, they're great guys. Yeah. And, Disney can trust them, so why? why? <laughs> they can trust you too. They, they they don't know that though, oh, you know. Yeah, that's so true. yeah, so why why bother? Right. Um, but, <laughs> so I'm still at Bush Gardens right now, and I'm yeah. still enjoying the job. Uh, Full time at Bush Gardens. What, how many shows are you in over there? Uh, right now, um, I'm in one, and I'm learning two for the summer. Oh, okay. Yeah. So actually, I just came from a rehearsal this morning. Right. Um, so I'm. I, I kind of like that workload of I have this show where I have to learn these songs and I have to learn it this way. But then I have this show, which is a completely different animal altogether. And I got to learn all those songs by itself and you can't get the two mixed up, you know, and I'm only part-time. I'm not full-time there yet. uh, I'm not full-time and they, there's a limit on the hours I can be there. So I have X amount of hours to learn all this stuff and to get it right, you know, but I like that. You know, that's, that's a fun little challenge. One of the, one of the things that I would challenge myself with, because it, it's essentially, Bush Gardens is essentially a theater mm-hmm. gig yeah. where you have to play the same show three or five times a day mm-hmm. to sometimes a whole new audience, yeah. sometimes the same exact people mm-hmm. yeah, the I whole see. day. Yeah. The same faces in the crowd. Right. And, yeah. And one of the challenges, you know, that can get monotonous very much yeah. one of the challenges i would put on myself was just to 
pretend that this is the record. This is mm-hmm. who, whoever it was out there was that was the first time. I mean, that's the goal. That's their first time seeing it. It's going to be the best show they've ever seen. This is just like the record, you know. And I'm playing, you know, at my A list. Yeah, ex- kind of thing. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Well, uh, one of the bass players, a uh, mutual friend of ours, he he was talking about it one time, and he said, you know, it's a great way to show your consistencies and yeah. your inconsistencies. And he's like, am I playing these notes? in the exact same space, not only measure from measure, but show to show. Yeah. You know, like, is it exactly the same or is it after lunch? I'm a little bit slower because I'm full. (laughs) Right. And he's like, like, he's, he says, take this time to really analyze yourself and don't, you know, especially when you have to play the same show down to the same note five times a day. Yeah. Yeah. As musicians, as creative people like us, that's not something we want to do. Right. That's, that's, that's a very hard thing for us to manage, but that's the job. That's the gig, you know, and you got to do that. So focus on it. Like take this time to really analyze yourself in a live situation. Am I being my A-list? Am I being like the record each and every time? Or is on the last gig of the day, there's a scratch because I'm tired. Uh-huh, you know? yeah. <laughs> like it's, yeah, and you want to get out of there. You want to go. Out, yeah, you know, man, you, yeah. you got to go someplace else, man. Right. You, you want to go get sushi or something. Yeah, yeah. that's, oh, uh, I was not always, that's just something I tried to do. Yeah, I didn't always succeed. It's, it's a hard challenge, <laughs> um, it, but it's a good challenge, you know. Yeah, definitely. The other, the other great thing I noticed about, where I learned about um, a gig like that is the networking. You meet a whole bunch of creative people, not just mm-hmm. musicians. Uh, for instance, one of the, like, just from being, I used to work at Bush, and just from being there, I developed an appreciation for the art of dance yes, that absolutely. I didn't have before. Absolutely. You meet other creative people that are doing this, singing, doing that, the other thing, the costuming, all this other. Um, and I know that you've networked since you've been there. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how we met. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and now, you know, tell me like some of the things that, that has, that has come about from that. Well, um, with musicians, um, being able to have, time to play with everybody is so great and you know like i'm playing with this one pianist over here and me and him just work we gel really well together you know and he works for a wedding band and that drummer just left and hey man you know do you want a wedding gig and it was a really nice paying gig and so yeah sure and so i jumped aboard that and I did that band for three years, you know, um, and that was a nice steady gig um, when I was a part of that band. Um, and the the really cool thing about that is, you know, you can go to a bar and meet a band that's playing. And hey, man, my name's Mike. I play drums. I'm new to the area, you know, like right. just looking for some gigs, you know, and they're going to be like, oh, cool. Who is this freak? You know, like they don't <laughs> right. they don't know. They don't know you. But because yeah. you get a chance to play with the musicians, they get a chance to hear you and they get to say like, oh, he would be really good for this show or he'd be really good with this band or, you know, I'll keep this guy in my back pocket if I ever need right. anything. Um, and that that's that's a great experience, you know, being able to show your playing talents or, or like the way you sound as a musician to other musicians who work in the area. And so they, they can say, oh, oh, so that's what you're about. Yeah. And then they can take that. But it's a downfall because if you're not disciplined, <laughs> if you're not prepared, if you're just, you know, messing around the whole time, not taking things seriously, not knowing the show, not playing in the right key, 
these guys see that too. Yeah. And it's a, it's, it's a double edged sword, you know, yeah. cause then they're like, man, you know, I, there's a guitar position open in this band and this guy would be great, except that he doesn't care. Right. Yeah, he's not, he's not going to do it right. He's not. Right. Yeah. So no, he doesn't get that. He doesn't get the job, you know? Right. So networking like that has been super beneficial to me. Um, recently, one of the dancers that I met, he's producing his own show here in Tampa and he asked me to be the music director slash production manager cool. of that show. And so I'm currently working on that right now on the music side of things. Um, and again, it's because me and him met and, you know, we, we were able to talk to each other. We were able to show mutual respect for one another's art. And we just, we, we there was a really good bond and I know he, I know who he is as an artist and yeah. I can, I know the quality that he's looking for and I know how to deliver that. And he knows, I know how to deliver that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been beneficial like that too. And I'm really excited about that project to see what happens with that. So just for, just for clarification for people mm-hmm. who are listening, like, you know, sometimes we, I'll include myself. Sometimes we might think that those kinds of connections happen immediately. Oh no. You know, so this, right, yeah. this specific person, mm-hmm. how long had you been working with that, with him? That particular drummer. I mean, sorry, with, dancer. The dancer. Um, how long have is it, is six it him years. or her? It's uh, a him. Um, How long, six years you've been working with him before yeah. he said, yeah. hey, let's do this. Be- before he even came to me before. Yeah. And like, I mean, he's been doing other stuff for yeah. so long too. So yeah, it it wasn't like, hey man, I'm Mike. Hey man, you know, yeah. I got, let's do this. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like that at all. Um, it, it takes, it takes a long time in this industry to build up relationships, yeah. you know? And it makes sense because when you when someone like him, he's putting together his product, yeah, and it's something that he's passionate about, and he's putting a lot of money and time into. He wants people he can trust. He doesn't want someone he just met two days ago. Sure, right? Yeah, and because that's the, that's a recipe for disaster on his end. That's a huge risk, and I, I think a lot of us are like that, where it's like I want the person I can trust to be on a gig with me, you know, because then I'm going to be a lot less stress. I'm going to enjoy the music more. I enjoy the things about my job that I enjoy more when I can trust people. Sure. You know? Yeah. So it takes time for that trust. Definitely. Um, one of the, one of the focuses of this podcast, one of this, um, is to talk about like how, how to make it in the real world, right? Mm-hmm. And how, you know, quote unquote, make it. That's open to interpretation, of course, right? Yeah. But I believe strongly one of the ways to do that is diversification. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're a drummer and you can take a, a gig as a drummer on that wedding band, for instance, mm-hmm. where you're not running it, you're just the drummer, you're the side man. Yeah. So tell me about, tell me about this. Um, being the MD and the producer for this show, what does that entail for you? What are your responsibilities now? Um, are you playing? Are you just putting the music together? Are you it's both? And what what is that um, for you? Right now, it's still early on in the stages, so we are figuring out those questions. But um, if if there is a desire for a live band, um, then yes, I'm playing. And I'm responsible not only for finding the musician, mu- the musicians uh, that are 
adequate for the job, let's say, um, but also making sure they have all the music and resources they need to be able to do the performance. Right. So, hey, man, you're, I need this pianist, um, but we're going to have a piano there. Or, hey, man, there's no piano there. You need to bring your own keyboards. Right. Here's all the music. Do you need sheet music? I can get you some sheet music, you know? Um, on top of that, there's uh, with dance, dance is very much, it's, it's not like music where things can flex so much in, t- in, the, in the idea of time, right? We could play, oh, so awesome. we're, we're one gig... We can play a song at 120 BPM and the next gig we play it at 125 BPM. Yeah. And both nights we felt like it was the same tempo. Yeah. Dance isn't always like that, you know, because there's so much more movement going on and they have to think about so many different things and time has to be consistent for them. Right. Right. So click tracks are a huge thing with dancers and you know, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that, that, that's how I was explained to it. It was explained to me, anyways. And so, if if that if it comes down to that, I'm responsible for doing all the production of that. We're talking about maybe having tracks and just me as a drummer up there. Okay. In that case, I'm responsible for making sure all the tracks are good, right. um, making sure the click track is there. That I bring the drum kit. I'm also in that particular show. I'm responsible for uh, PA. I'm responsible for um, just having everything there. There is anything related to sound. So it's um, not just musical, it's logistics. Uh, logistics as well. Yeah. Definitely, man. Yeah. And that's something that a lot of musicians don't think about going into this and they don't expect. You know, I, I remember when I was younger, <laughs> I was just like reading modern drummer magazine and stuff like that. And they would start talking about like EQs of mics and. Um, how to mic your drum kit and blah blah blah. I just flip through those pages and get yeah. right to like, oh, like Mike Pornoy released a new CD and this is one of the fills on it, right? <laughs> right. Um, because I was, my thought was, well, that's the sound engineer's job. Okay, that's not my job. I'm not going to do his job for him. And now that I'm older and working in it, no, I need to know. You know, um, a maybe there's not a sound guy. Maybe I'm the sound guy, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I need to have my own mics. I need to know what the mic sounds like. I need to know what, what my drum head is going to sound like through that microphone. Yeah. And then I also need to know: Are they providing monitors for me? Um, is it a quiet situation where I need to use in-ear monitors? Do I need to bring my own in-ear monitor stuff? Um, there's a lot of things that you start finding out as a working musician logistically you need to know yeah. right and you, the other thing is when you have a show you know that you are responsible for that you are doing and your product it's your name on it you might be working you might get to a venue where there's a sound guy who isn't really a sound guy he's just a guy right <laughs> there was one gig uh maybe about a year and a half ago I'm not going to say any names. I'm not going to announce the venue. Sure. Um, but they, uh, we got there and we're sound, we, the band set up and the sound guy's not even there yet, you know, and it's like 40 minutes to show, right? Oh. The doors open, right? So we're starting to sweat bullets, right? Yeah. We're like, where's where this guy? Finally, he shows up, you know, and just very, you know, just very chill, very like, hey guys, let's uh, let's have a good night. And it's like, all right, cool, man. We need monitors, right. <laughs> you know. So he starts setting up the monitors, and he slowly set up the mics, and then he's like, all right, let's do a sound check. And so you know, start the kick drum, and okay, fine. And hey, man, can I get more of my wedge? 
no, I could use a little bit more, please. Uh, no, if, if I got some more, right? And he's like, oh, man, I don't know what's going on. He's like, the monitors aren't working. And I go, why aren't the monitors working? He's like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, did you turn the amps on? And he goes, yeah, totally. And I look over to my left and there's all the amps right there next to me. None of them are on. I'm like, <laughs> is it that thing right there? And he goes, oh. And he goes over and presses the button. And, sure, and then all of a sudden we almost blow out my wedge because he had maxed out my kick drum in it, right? Jeez. And that's, that's something that had I not known what an amp is and what it does for a monitor... You wouldn't, I, yeah. yeah, and we wouldn't have had a show, or we would have had a show with no monitors, you know? So the more you work in this industry, the more you learn, you need to know a lot more. Diversify, like yeah. you said, man. Um, and that even goes so far as styles, you know? Um, Musical styles. Absolutely, uh, especially as a drummer slash percussionist. If I, if I sh- we, you and me just did a blues gig uh, this past weekend. Yeah. And if I'd shown up and started playing rock, right, right. In, the, in that small venue with that atmosphere, right, with those musicians, probably wouldn't get called again, right. and rightfully so, right? Likewise, if I'm in a pop gig and I start playing a lot of swing, you know, and just playing jazz fills, that's probably cool to like some of the musicians on stage, but people are trying to dance out there and they can't follow where that groove is, right? right. Because the white, you know, sorry, <laughs> let me, let me say that. I don't want to say it like that. They, they can't follow that because they don't know how to find that groove, uh-huh. you know, like that's not what they're there for. Um, so knowing the different styles is, and I'm not a master of any style, right? Um, I love all styles of music and I listen to all styles of music enough that I know what their criteria is. Right. Um, and, and that's something that I really enjoy about my job is that I'm able to have all these different opportunities to, you know, play a blues gig one night and then right after that gig, go play a pop rock band that night. And then the next day I'm playing, classic rock and then that morning uh, the next morning i go play a church gig and then that afternoon i'm playing doo-wop music right and if i'd played the same style all the way through probably wouldn't have that many gigs you know but because okay in doo-wop you know you got to play like this when i was playing uh, motown music a lot back in the day that was a very playing drums on motown is actually very specific it's yeah. if you don't get that groove right, you don't got that groove, and it's not Motown anymore, you know. Um, and when you listen to the parts of Motown, they sound pretty rudimentary. They're very basic grooves, but the way they play it, like mm-hmm. the hi hat, maybe just a little bit ahead of the beat, or that that snare drum. It's hard to really quantify what it is, but you got to listen to it, and you got to sit down and play it, and. Oh, that's sounding closer to it. All right, cool. And then, you know, and as a drummer, you know when you're doing it right because everybody in the band is going to turn back, look at you, and smile. Yeah. And if no one's looking at you, something's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So it definitely like uh, diversify yourself in styles, and um, even in as a drummer, learning how to play all the different type of percussion instruments. I, I would love to get more gigs as a percussionist, um, but there's not that many, uh, for me anyways. Um, 
but every once in a while, someone, well, hey man, do you got a you got a cajon? Uh, I got a gig that I need a cajon player on, and it's like, yeah, sure, absolutely, you know, can totally do that. Um, and then, yeah, do you, do you have congas? Because you know, oh, we're doing. I got offered this one time um, a gig for like some dance company that was doing some jungle tribal type thing and they needed a djembe player. Mm-hmm. And so I got offered the gig because yeah. I have a djembe and I know how to play it, you know? And a lot of people are like, it's not that hard to play different percussionists, like percussion instruments. And I would totally disagree with that. You know, there's different techniques involved. Yeah. You can fake your way through pretty easily, but to actually put on a good show, you have to have a lot of knowledge right. on each one. Um, and I, I think an audience can tell the difference. I think you said it. You said it right there. Like um, you had a, de- a djembe mm-hmm. and you knew how to play it. Exactly. You know, right. that's, yeah, man. that's the important thing. Because perfect example, um, I have a set of tablas that I'm not very good at. Right. I love those. Man. I love those things yeah. too. But man, like I'm, it's just, it's not there. Right. And I'll sit at home, you know, and just, you know, nah, tack, tack, you know, all that stuff out all day. But I'm not ready to gig with it. And right. it had if someone had offered me a tabla gig, I would say no. Yeah. I would say thank you so much. Can't do it, right? Um, because I know if I do do go do that gig and they're expecting a tabla player and they get <laughs> right, like this very yeah. bad playing, they're not gonna hire me again. And then right. I got that bad reputation. Yes. And that's exactly. just something you can't get rid of. And it's a small town. It's small wherever town. you go, it's mm-hmm. a small town. Everyone knows everyone. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, what you were talking about brought up two questions. One of which I'll ask right now. So you're talking about like different styles and 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 playing in one band and then playing in another band and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So that's one way to diversify. Mm-hmm. But that also creates a kind of a, sometimes it can create a kind of a feast or famine situation where you know if if those bands aren't calling you. Uh, or they don't know who you are yet or whatever the case is, then you don't really have work mm-hmm. um, or you don't have enough work. Sure. Um, and I've wrestled with this myself and I maybe have talked to one other person about it, but like the difference of being a freelancer and playing with five or six other bands compared to playing with one band mm-hmm. that is consistently working uh, and maybe even in the, like in, top 40 music you're typically playing several styles a few you know a few things like maybe one reggae song Mm -hmm. mostly pop maybe one jazz thing during the dinner set Mm -hmm. um so it's not as much diversity in the musical styles but there's consistency in the work okay Mm -hmm. you know whereas you get a lot of diversity on the other side but maybe not so much consistency and you really have to hustle for gigs and you have to you know i mean you always have to make sure your reputation is good but mm-hmm. you know where where do you have you ever thought of that where do you land on that kind of thing i, I did think about that a lot when i was uh before i started getting into like full-time positions with bands uh current like like i said i, I was part of a wedding band for about three years um, and so that was a nice little safety net. Yeah. Um, I'm currently in a original band that also plays a bunch of covers and they work at least two shows every weekend. Right. So that's nice. Yeah. Um, but before then I was just a drummer at a theme park. Um, and when it's part time, 
you know, at the rate they pay me, it's not enough to live off of. Right. You know? Um, so you're forced to, you can't rely on that. You're forced to find something else. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, so the question was about like, how, how did I find my way into that scene or like, how did I struggle with that? Well, it was, it was actually, let's go there. Okay. It was actually a little more philosophical. Which one do you prefer? Oh, oh, Ooh. Or which one would you want? Let's let's answer the philosophical question first because that's (laughs) right up my alley. Um, there is, I, I do struggle with this a lot too, um, because I do have the experience of being in a full-time band that works and does, does well, um, for ourselves, but also music is a form of communication to me. I think that's what it was in the very beginning. And I think that's what it still is. And if you convince yourself it's anything else, I think you missed the point of music. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm laying it down like that. I (laughs) I will stand behind that. If you have the same conversations with the same people, that's not fun. You know, if I, if I show up and it's always the same bass player on the gig and we're playing the same set list every single night, there's a great unity there. There's super tight. I know what he's going to do. I know what he's going to say. I know when he's going to say it. And I can back him up. And that's, that's kind of fun. Yeah. But there's also a, a level of fun of going to a gig where, hi, man, I'm Mike. And, oh, hey, hey, I'm Tito, man. Nice to meet you, dude. Awesome. Let's, uh, let's have a fun time at this gig. And we sit down after meeting each other and we start playing. And I'm, I get the chance to experience what you get to say first. Right. And it's like, oh, and then that gives me something new to say, you know, and now I get to say that to you. And maybe you didn't like what I said so much, or maybe what I said is right up your alley. Having those new conversations is super important to me because I I still want to learn, you know, and I think that's a great way to learn about people, about musicians is through how they say something in music. And the more I learn, the more I get to say, does the way they said something musically, does that work well for me? Can I say that musically or do I not agree with that musically, you know, and I get to learn a little bit more about myself. Um, as a person who has, you know, a mortgage, uh, <laughs> has two dogs, has car payments, uh, I really like being in a full-time band where I know what the gig is. And I know what the pay is. Right. And I, I can look at my calendar and see how far out I have. Um, being a creative person who is learning and meeting new people, I love being a a hired gun. Um, I think I did, I I think I'm pretty fortunate in my situation where I can juggle both. Mm -hmm. Um, it gets hard. Um, it, 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 there's a lot of stress that goes on with that. I have to be very, very careful about what gigs I say yes to and what gigs I can't. Uh, you didn't know this. But uh, this this gig we this you and me did together this past weekend, I had actually double booked myself. Oh. Uh, there was another band playing in Orlando that night that I had said yes to. After I had said yes to our gig, okay, and I totally just I was I was just stupid. I spaced out, and I did not put the gig that I said yes to in my calendar. Right, and so then the other gig got offered, and I said absolutely, I can do that. And then you and me got that email about the first gig and I was like, Oh no. Uh, So I had to put my tail between my legs and text the other band leader and say, God, I'm so sorry. I double booked myself, you know, and 
it was a very embarrassing moment for me because yeah. I take very much a lot of pride and I'm very serious about my schedule and making sure I'm not double booking myself. And to finally have that happen where I have to let someone down, I can't do both, both gigs that night to say, all right, like I got to say no to somebody. And I got to ruin my reputation with one of these people like that. It's going to happen. Yeah. You know, that's, that, that's a very stressful thing for me. Um, and I know enough guys that do that often and all of a sudden they don't have jobs anymore. They don't book anymore because everyone's like, I'm not going to ask this guy. He can't handle his booking. Right. Cause if that, if it happens once, you know, that's kind of understandable or mm-hmm. at least at the very least is forgivable. Yes. If it happens consistently, no more can't calls. trust this yeah. guy. Yeah. And yeah. luckily that band leader that I had to break the news to and turn down. He's he's a good friend of mine, uh, and we worked together many years, and we've worked together a lot. Uh, oh, you 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 had him on the show, uh, Jamie Jamie Grinnell. Jamie Grinnell, yeah. Um, very wise dude, very cool guy, and he was just I I told him I explained the situation. I took the full fault, and I said, if you need me to find you a drummer, I will. If you need me to send out my charts to this drummer for your yeah. band, I will. If you need me to not t- take pay on the next gig you offer because you got to pay this guy double. I will. Right. Because it was, it was my bad. It yeah. was my fault. And now he doesn't know who he's going to have on that gig. Right. And I, I told him four or five days in advance, right. Which is not cool. Right. right. It's, it's as soon as I found out, but it's still not still, cool. Yeah. And he was very forgiving. He was, he was very much like, dude, this isn't a thing with you. It's cool. Luckily, this guy over here, he can do it. He knows the show. Not a big deal. See, that, there's a situation where your reputation did help you because oh, mm-hmm. you, you have a reputation of being consistent, of being reliable. So this one time is like, mm-hmm. okay, this is not, you know. So Absolutely. if he had, even if like this is the first time he's using you, but his uh, his friends have told him, hey, man, Pinder is, eh, he's, he's kind of flaky. He's goofy. And then you do this to him. It's like, okay, I should have listened it, to Exactly, him. yeah. This is all, I mean, this is this is great. This is professionalism. Yeah, absolutely. And in, in fact, um, one of the things I wrote down, the second question that I wrote down, what mm-hmm. were you talking about? Like knowing amps, knowing mics, knowing this, knowing the other thing, you know, um, I think those kinds of things set you apart as a professional because if i if i were to choose a drummer mm-hmm. if you bring your own your own ears your own uh you know transmitter or whatever it is system that you have compared to another drummer where no oh man now i got to bring all this stuff or oh, yeah. i have to worry about the logistics no i know i know pinder's going to worry about when he shows up he's going to have all the stuff he needs to get through the gig and mm-hmm. i don't have to like i don't have to worry i don't have to bring extra stuff you know i don't have to be you know concerned oh man can i borrow your stand or can i <laughs> i didn't bring the cable or whatever you know so that's that level of professionalism Agreed. you know that that just sets you apart from thank you that, that the regular a, guy i guess that, that, that's a very nice compliment um and i i agree with that compliment because i've been in the situation where someone comes to me and hey man i didn't bring my in ears can I borrow yours? Yeah. And it's like, well, luckily I have a backup. So, right. you know, um, and every time that guy asked me that question over and over again, it's just kind of <laughs> like, eventually got yeah. to the point where I'd put it on his amp. <laughs> Cause it's like, I know you forgot. Here's, here's what that's you really, need. That's yeah. It's really frustrating. But, yeah. And that, and funny enough, that guy, same thing. He doesn't get calls. He doesn't, mm. 
he's a great musician and a great dude, great heart, but he just doesn't have that level of professionalism to bring everything he, not everything he needs, everything he might need. Yeah. You know, like that's something people don't think about is what if there's not enough XLRs? I, I did a gig where, oh my goodness. So many bad gigs. I mean, I think, I think the bad gigs is the ones that I start appreciating more because you learn something from yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the good gigs just are good because of the bad ones. Actually, we talked about this when I had Dave Hamar on it. Mm-hmm. We talked about the bad gigs. So you, that's where you learn the most you learn, yeah. and you come out with the best stories. <laughs> I, did, I did this. It was this really big show um, put on by this amazing venue in town. And my band was so excited and there was so much publicity for it. Huge crowd. It was sold out within like a week or something like that. We were so excited. We had a busy day that day anyways, with other obligations we had to take care of, but we got to the gig, we set up and then okay, like we got 10 minutes for lunch, see you in five, right? Yeah. And so uh, we, we come back and the sound guys are there and they're trying to find cables that are working, XLRs. And like things like they're being said are, oh, that's one of those uh, questionable cables, yeah. right? And as a person who has a product, who is going to, I, I'm placing a product for this whole new audience to see, and I'm hearing things like this questionable cables. And sure enough, they mic'd up my drum kit and half the drums just work. weren't, yeah. the cables weren't working, you know? And luckily I had a bag of XLRs that I could trust in, yeah. in my car. And so I was like, I'm not dealing with this. We're just going to use my cables because I know they work, you know? And the, if, if that show just reminded me like, hey man, have some have some extra cables because even if it's not on my drum kit, right? If the bass player, for whatever reason, his quarter inch isn't working, we can't have a show without a bass. You can't have a show without a bass player. No one's going to stay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not going to be a good show. And so he has to he has to have that. So it's one of those questions. It, it's for me, professionalism boils down to two things. Um, the first one is uh, making sure the show goes well, right? That's professionalism, right? Doing what you need to do to get that show not only up off the ground, but to be the best show it could have been, right? I'm not, I'm not naive. Some shows are just doomed, right? <laughs> because of management yeah. or production level or budgets. There's, there's a lot Stuff of Stuff that's out of your control. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm on stage, you know, and people aren't going to see the production manager. They're right. not going to see the accountant. They're going to see those guys on stage. Yeah. And that's, that's who they're going to associate this with. So just be prepared and have the willingness to put the show on, you know, and do what you need to do to get the show to its highest level. Because I know enough musicians who, yeah, man, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a crap show, but uh, not my problem. You know, I'm just here to play and get my, get my paycheck. And I can understand that mentality, but at the same time, homeboy, like <laughs> that's you on stage, you know, like, don't you want to have, why would you waste your time in something you can't be passionate about? And that includes gigs, that includes shows, you know, like 
take and take that level of passion that you have for sitting in your in your room, going over scales, going over rudiments, going over anything. That takes a lot of passion, a lot of discipline, and a lot of focus. Take that and put it on the stage. Yeah, for for the show, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's been many times when singers, I I would. I have a click track and backing tracks going on, right? And I have my computer next to me because I'm running everything. And the singer comes in three bars early. Three bars early. Like, and it's, it's, it's a four-bar progression, you know? So it's like, what? You know? So instead of just powering through and letting him look like a moron, kill the track and get the band back together, yeah. right? Because he's not going to... The singer came in early because he doesn't know better and he doesn't know how to get back on. We... As the musicians, we understand music a little bit better. We know how to get there, you know, and it's going to be ugly for two or three seconds, but then the rest of the song is going to be fine. Yeah. You know, and I, I would rather that than just the guy who's like, I'm just going to stay here. I'm right. You're wrong. And you're going to look bad. It's like that. That's not caring about the show. You know, um, the other thing, and I, I think this is boil. This is just my life philosophy. And it's four simple words. Don't be a dick. And that's it. Um, <laughs> like just in everything you do, especially in music, especially in show, in show business, in, in, in just as a person, right? It, I, I'm in rehearsals for a bunch of shows now. And a certain guitarist said, he didn't know he didn't know enough of the music, right? Like we're in rehearsals, right? And he didn't know like three or four songs. And he was like, Well, like, I don't go home and practice these things on my own. And he's like, Should I be? And I was like blown away that someone could ask that question. It's like we did. <laughs> you know? And like now you're wasting our time. Now we have to stop what we need to work on as a as a unit to work on what you need as a person. Yeah. You know? Mm. And what a dick move. You know? Like people don't think of it as like that, but I see it like that. You affected a group of people for a selfish reason. Right? That is the definition of a dick move. And, you know, like there's so many different ways. If you if you say yes to a gig. Do the best work you can do for that gig, right? I, I've had enough gigs where I know the show backwards and forwards. But you know what? Maybe on my way to the gig, I'm going to listen to this number one more time just to make sure I'm remembering that groove right. Or am I playing that one fill too loose? You know, yeah. like, I mean, I have the time. Why not put in the effort? You know, I know the show. I know what's going to happen. But what can I be doing to make sure that it's going to get better? You know, yeah. because if I just say yes to a gig and show up and just go through the motions and it fails, that's a dick move. Yeah. Um, when you're soloing, like if a guitarist is soloing and I'm, if I start just going crazy, that's a dick move, right? <laughs> Again, he's trying to say something and I'm talking over him, yeah. right? That's not nice. Mm. Um, if, if you say yes to a gig that you think doesn't pay enough, first off, that's your fault, you know? Right. And second, to go there with a bad attitude, that's the worst thing you could do. Because now other people, you, you, you bring in a bad vibe into something and people don't want that, you know? Right. And again, I think that's a dick move. Um, so just... Yeah, and you knew in advance, you knew what it was yeah, before. Yeah. yeah, if you had a problem with it, you should have said something. Yep. Um, 
Yeah. And that's, that, that, that's another thing too. Um, I, I have a bunch of friends who are just now getting into the gig world and they're just start like the great musicians and we've been friends for a long time and they've been either at, at college or doing something else. And now they're like, you know what? I want to get into the gig world and they're, they're getting their chance because everyone knows you're a good musician. You're a good person. We can trust you. And Hey man, I got this gig over in blah, blah, blah. And it pays blah, blah, blah. And one person, uh, text me and was like, Hey, so this is, you know, this is the gig. This is what they saying they're going to pay. Is that normal? Is that standard? And I was like, okay, well, that's a, that's a nice enough question. But the answer really is you tell me, you know, like if, if there've been times in my life where I've taken gigs for $60 because I was either going to get really good exposure. Mm-hmm. I was going to learn a lot of music that I could use later on in life. Um, I was going to meet somebody that I wanted to meet because I think I could make a good connection. Um, there were more benefits to that, me saying yes to that gig than money. Yeah. Right. The money, money was the last thing on the, on the bucket list. I've also had gigs that pay about four figures. Right. And I say yes to those gigs too, cause I'm not an idiot, <laughs> but sure. still then, even, even when you had that level, um, where, where that's the kind of income you might be able to expect, I still think it's wise to say yes to the other gigs. Mm-hmm. If if there's more benefit than money, if money becomes the main thing you're doing music for, you're going to be miserable, right? So there's other things here, you know, right. and you should get some money. Totally. And we all want to live. We all need food. Right. But, you know, you you can't let that be the focus. And so at an earlier earlier time in my life, I would have said yes to pretty much anything because I needed the experience. I needed to get my good reputation out there. I needed to learn what I needed to learn for the next gig. You know, like there was so much I needed to learn. Now, you know, I can say no to some gigs like, yeah, you know, like, uh, if that, that it's just too much of a travel, you know? And I, that actually happened one time where I got offered a show gig and it was in Miami and they offered me X amount and it was a little bit low. Right. And it's like, well, I got to drive about three or four hours and I struggled cause I kind of want to do the show. Right. But man, like I need to pay that gas. And so I, that, that was one of the first times I ever had that struggle of, I don't know if the money's enough for this. Right. 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 Um, and so I finally just actually emailed the company back and I said, listen, you know, I would love to be part of the company. Uh, I would love to do the show. I just can't do it for that much. You know, I, I would need to live a more like this. And I, I put my figure out there. Um, and they said, no, they went with someone else. Yeah. But you know what? I was okay with it. I was so happy about that because I would not have been happy. Otherwise I wouldn't have been happy doing it and losing money for sure. that one particular gig, sure. you know? And you just got to judge it based on your situation and based on what you think you can get out of that gig, you know? Right. Sometimes it's, like you said, sometimes it's meeting somebody, playing really good music. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a fun hang and whatever the case is. That's so important. <clears throat> people don't, people do not realize the, the, the attitude that you 
no one wants to don't be a dick no one wants to work with that right? <laughs> like no one wants like I, there's I, there's not that many in our in our scene luckily in our group of musicians we work with everyone's pretty cool we all got a little quirks and our little yeah. triggers but for the most part we all can get along yeah. right there's a few people here and there who somehow got into the industry and they're not the nicest people um and again not gonna name names but if I if I got offered a gig and someone said, "Oh, you're working with blah blah blah," and it's one of those people, mm-hmm. I might say no, <laughs> regardless of what the money is, because you'll at least think about it yes. three or four times. Yeah, definitely. Before Not just I say a yes. second thought. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But at the same time, if it's a band that I know, I know everybody in there, and we'll all get friends, and I know it's going to be a fun time. I'll say yes for less money, right? You know because what's more fun than making music with my friends? Right. You know, and then going backstage and making jokes with my friends. Like that's fun, man. And okay. Like I made enough just to pay for gas. Cool. Sounds like a fun night, you know, and I'm down for that, man. Yeah. You make up the money some other time. Of course, man. Yeah. Um, you started answering some of the other questions. Um, like, uh, you, you know, what, what advice would you give? You started talking about some of your friends that are starting to get into the gig scene. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give someone who wants to do this mm-hmm. full time? What do they need to, what do they need to do, look for, work on or what? Um, my first thing is listen to as much music as possible. Uh, I was one of those guys who I listened to one genre throughout most of college um, and I don't play that genre. I don't get paid to play that genre. I love that genre. Pro- progressive metal. Pro- okay. Yeah. Like pro- the dream theater was oh, my yeah, band. Oh yeah. You mentioned Portnoy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like uh-huh. that was my band. Um, man, if, if I ever played a Portnoy Phil on a gig, <laughs> I probably wouldn't get called back. Right. Um, but now that I'm a little bit older and I, I have more experience and I've been exposed to more music, listen to as much music as possible, you know, um, just go to your, your iTunes or your Spotify, whatever YouTube and just, Hey, today I want to look at a Sango. I just want to learn a lot about Sango beats and Sango music and like what, what makes a Sango different than a Roomba, Mm -hmm. you know, and listen to that, you know, you don't have to get great at it. You don't have to be amazing at it. Um, but just start learning, you know, why is, what makes funk different than rock? You know, and if you can't automatically think of six different answers, go listen, you know, like, right. like that, that shows you, you don't know enough yet. Um, because again, there's nothing wrong with playing each style of music. What's the word I'm looking for? Just properly, you know, um, authentically, authentically. Thank you. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with playing country music the way country music is supposed to sound. As a drummer, right. we all know like there's not much fun stuff, quote unquote, going on. But so, so what? <laughs> you know, right. like it's country music, man. It's not, it's not meant to be jazz. It's not meant to be fusion. It's meant to be country. And right. And honestly, if you like, just just learn as just start listening to as much music as possible and start figuring out what's yes and what's no in that genre. Um, second thing, um, one of the things I, I was able to do when I first moved to Tampa, because I didn't grow up here, so I didn't know anybody until I started working here. Um, do you remember how you and me first met? 
Mm, was it was it a bush? It was not a bush because oh. I, I missed you. I came in right after. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Um, I went to a gig you were on uh, because we had a one of the singers on that uh-huh. gig was a friend of mine, and I went, and that's where you and me first met for the first time. Ah, right, okay. and that's that's one of the things to do. Like, yeah. go see shows. Go, go see, see shows. People. Go go yeah. and go find out what people are playing. You know, like, do you know that Justin Timberlake song that everyone's playing right now? Right. If not, you should probably go learn it, right. <laughs> you know, because obviously everyone's playing it for a reason, you know, and if you get called and you don't know that Justin Timberlake song, someone's going to look at you. You don't know that Justin Timberlake song, you know, <laughs> and then that looks bad, man. So right. go, go listen to what they're playing and go, go check out what the style is, you know, go check out what is working, go check out what they're bringing to, to to gear to the gear they're bringing to to gigs, right? Um, yeah, because uh, you don't want to show up. You don't want to show up at that blues gig with a Portnoy drum you set. You do not. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely not. Like, right. again, I would probably be asked to, to leave, <laughs> and I should be asked to leave, right? Um, yeah, and just don't like you, you. You do need to when you get into the gig world, you do need to be able to find your voice. You do need to be able to find what sets you apart from everyone else, but get into the gig world first, right? Like take some time. Like there's nothing wrong with learning from other people. Right. And if they're not doing it, maybe I shouldn't do it yet. Right. It's fine being cautious. It's fine playing your cards. Right. Don't, don't lay them all down at once. Um, and that, that's not to say don't play things you don't feel right just be wise about it don't be a dick you know yeah, like is right. is this a good moment that's, for me to try this out you know amazing. yeah man that's 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 it right there um practice um just practice a lot and don't waste your time you know um you this is your art you know and you need to be able to play what you're thinking and play what you're feeling and if your idea of playing music is to sit around and watch TV for four days a week and then for three days a week go play music, you're not going to do that. Um, I, I used to have a saying that when I was working, and I still do, I work a lot, but I used to have a saying that I never have a day off. I just have days I don't get paid. <laughs> right, right. Because yep. I, 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 I'm Monday through Thursday. I got to learn music. I got to travel to places. I got to, oh crap! Like I don't know if I could play that thing. I need to go and work on this for a little bit. Or even if I know all the music and all the gigs that are coming up in the next two weeks, I need to be better. You know, like, like I need to work on my single strokes. Or yeah. uh, you know what, man, my my swing was a little bit goofy the past two gigs. I need to go work on that before it bites me in the butt. You know, um, it's always be practicing, um, whenever you get a second to, you know, cause there's going to come a time when you can't, you know, and you, you need to be as, you need to have as much ground covered as possible when that moment comes. Cause you know, I, I travel sometimes and you know, I can't always, I'll, I'll show up to the airport early in the morning fly out, get to the airport, drive straight to the venue, sound check, go get food, go get dressed, go play the show. Not one point there that I have time to learn music. Not one point that I have time to warm up. Not one point that I have to, hey, maybe I should pr- try, I want to try this cool 
Dave Weckl thing or whatever. Didn't have a single second to work on that, right? And then I got to go sleep because I got to wake up early again and do it all again tomorrow. Yeah. And then do it again the next day. Like, and soon, soon enough, there's five days without practicing once, you know? Um, and if, if you don't know, if you're not, if you're not at a point where you can be okay with that, like you've practiced enough that you, not that you don't need to practice, but that you can manage without practicing for five days, you're going to be screwed. Yeah. You know, like I, I, it's, especially for a drummer that that's a challenge I had to learn was, you know, you don't always get a chance to practice the things you need to practice, but you need to know the stuff and you need to be able to execute these things. So work hard when you can. Right. That way when you can't work hard, it's okay. You know, even on travel days though, aren't there ways to practice? Like I know, uh, yeah, you, you bring creative. a pad or yeah, something, absolutely. but you don't, I mean, you don't get the full experience. No, so. not at all. But I mean, I, I've had days where I am stuck in either a car or a crowded airport or a crowded airplane all day yeah right and the only five minutes i get to myself is when i'm in the bathroom right, right. <laughs> it, it 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 can be very hard to practice in those conditions without yeah. disturbing everyone around you right. Right? right um and in those cases you know you still got to find a way to do it sure. you know and if i'm walking from security to you know ticketing or, or ticketing to security or whatever if i just on my chest it's kind of right just kind of Okay, like I hear this idea or whatever, or how's that fill go again, or what's that what's that sticking I need? You know, yeah, you can you can still find creative ways to do it. You know, when you're at the hotel room by yourself, don't sit there and watch TV. Right, right? grab yeah. your sticks. That pillow is a great pad, <laughs> you know, and you just go for it. Because um, again, that that goes with that whole philosophy of like work hard when you can. When you can, yeah, yeah, make use of the time. You yeah, have. exactly. Yeah. Because you you're not always gonna have it. Right. Um, and finally, try to be happy. You know, um, when I was at an audition one time um, for Bush Gardens, there were some musicians there who hadn't done auditions before, and they found out I was a, I was one of the drummers currently there. Yeah. Um, and they were like, "Oh wow!" So like, what what do I do? Like what like what should I play? You know? And I get the question, right? Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, like that's cool, man. Um, go in there and do what you can, and be happy about it, you know? Um, because there, there is a level with this where you don't want the gig that you can't be yourself at. You don't want the gig where you can't be happy, you know? Um, and I, I, I still stand by that. Um, I think there's some wisdom that needs to go into that, you know? How so? Well, there's a story I wasn't there for it, but there's a story about this one drummer who came in and he, he did an audition and they asked him to play like a rock beat. And so he played like a, a rock beat, but then he kind of like did some fills and it's like, okay, like that was a little much. We didn't ask for that. And then they said, okay, play a swing beat. And he, this is the story I heard. It was, and they're like, okay, play a Latin beat. Right. And then he just went crazy on the drum kit for a little bit. And it was like very loud and ruckusy. And they said, okay, man, cool. Thanks. And then he got up and left. And one of my other friends was out there and he's like, he just asked, Hey man, how'd it go? Cause he heard everything. Right. He's yeah. like, Hey man, how'd it go? And he goes, yeah, it wasn't what I expected. I, th- I figured they had like a double kick 
you know, set and like, you know, six toms and just, man, they, they just didn't have what I needed. You know, that guy would not have been happy working in a yeah, theme park. Right. And now I don't know what he, I, I, that was years ago. I don't know what that guy does. Right. I don't know what job he has. Um, and I don't know if he still has a dream of being a musician. Right. And this is where it gets kind of weird and, and hard for me because you have to be smart about how you do things. Right. He went in there and he showed who he was and it wasn't good for the, for the gig and he should not have gotten the gig. And that's the end of that story. Right. But he still has his dreams. He still has the thing he wants to do. I imagine you have to be aware of what the gig is, you know, and I would never have shown up and done what he did, you know, because I'm very much aware of what the gig is, you know, because you've done your research. Because yeah, exactly. Yeah. I did my research, and the research is the the this, the information is out there. You know, like every time someone says, "Hey, man, do you need six toms on a gig?" That's telling you something, right? Right. right. <laughs> it's you need to take that information and not just be like, "Oh, he's being he's being old school. He's being a jerk." Because I used to be that guy. Yeah. You need to say, "Oh." There's something wrong about bringing six toms on a gig. And sure enough, now that I'm older, this six toms on a, on a, on a drum set, that's at least nine channels to take up on the soundboard. Most soundboards have 16, right? You're lucky if you get 16, actually. Some have 12. So now I'm taking up nine, maybe even 10, depending on what he wants to yeah. mic. 10 channels yeah. and I'm leaving two for the rest of the bands, maybe six <laughs> if we're lucky for the rest of the bands. Like that's, that's, that's stupid. That's so self, <laughs> don't be a dick. <laughs> so uh, it down to. Yeah, exactly. And so you gotta, you gotta know that stuff. You gotta know, okay, so if I bring kick snare hi-hat, I can get through the whole gig, right? It's, it's fine. And everyone's going to be happy and that leaves more room for everyone else. And that's less work for everyone else. More room on the board, more room sonically. On stage even. On yeah, stage. exactly. Yeah, yeah man. Like <clears throat> now I still bring Tom's don't yeah. worry. Right. <laughs> uh, because you know, it just, I'm, I'm very much aware of the situation. And again, sure. that's about making sure the show is going to be at its best. You know, okay. if I, if there's a super small stage and I bring in kick snare, two Tom's, and three symbols. Where's everyone else going to be? Yeah, you know, Where like that's standing? that's Where? not good enough for the, that. That's not the show at its highest standard, right? If I go kick snare hi hat, I can get through the whole gig. It's totally fine. People are going to be dancing, but now I have a bass player and a guitar player back on stage with me, and now we look like a unit, and yeah. it looks good, you know. Um, so just that situational awareness and the ability to adapt to it and to be willing to adapt to it. That's that's a huge thing that people need to work on, and that, that I guess that's what it is. Is that that one guy who came in and was expecting you know the Neil Pert drum kit? Yeah, he could not adapt, and he didn't get the gig. Right, right. He played what he wanted to play, but he was not appropriate, and he couldn't adapt to not playing what he wanted to play. And who knows what he's doing? But you know, there's other guys who love you know, acid jazz, right? But they don't ever play a gig with acid jazz, right? right? Because that's not them, but they can adapt to it and they're getting the gigs, you know? So 
be happy, but be able to adapt. Yeah. I guess that's, that's that the biggest thing I could say about that is, you know, they, yeah, just be aware. Don't be a dick. So let's talk about, um, let's talk about what's next for you and some of the things like you mentioned the original band, mm-hmm. um, actual bank robbers. That's it. Yes. That's, that's my original project. Yeah. So tell me about that. Um, it's, uh, yeah. a bunch of us met each other at Bush Gardens. Bush Gardens. This is oh, so networking, networking again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's one of those things where we are almost a motley crew of different backgrounds, uh-huh. right? Like the singer is a theater guy who loves pop. The lead guitarist and main songwriter, he's a blues guy from Nashville. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the bass player is this guy who loves metal and funk. Yeah. He's a very like, yeah, he's very, um, eclectic in his taste. And then you have me who, what the heck do I do? (laughs) You know, I'm, I guess I'm the progressive metal and rock guy, but you know, I have a passion for all styles of music. Um, but yeah, we get together and we just do, it's a pop band. Um, so we do a lot of originals. We have an album out called Checklist. It's on Spotify, iTunes. Uh, there's some videos on YouTube that we uh, made and produced ourselves that are up there. Um, we also have released uh, five singles uh, since then, uh, four of them this year. And those are all, again, available on Spotify. Um, website's www.actualbankrobbers.com. Believe it or not, that domain name was open. <laughs> no one wanted that name. Nobody. Go figure, man. Uh, so that's that's that band, and we that's the band that also works at least two shows every weekend. And so you can find us anywhere in Tampa, uh, or Sarasota, or um, go out to Orlando. Go yeah, we other- yeah, pretty much all of Florida. We're we're hitting. Have you done? Uh- national tours or anything we went up to nashville one time as that group um and that's as far as we've gone okay Um, that's a great place to go it's a fun place and we we had a great time we made some really great connections some more networking um that have led to some more potential stuff that we are still working towards good and i don't want to say anything without you know i don't want to jinx it sure but uh, we're still working towards that and you know if you want to come see um see us just go to our facebook page we post every gig a month Tell tell us where that is. Like your, you know, I know your Instagram pages. You, you mentioned do, the website. Uh, we, What's so the Facebook? Uh, the, the website and then the Facebook is Actual Bank Robbers. Uh, the Instagram is Actual Bank Robbers, uh, all one word. And then Twitter is Actual Bank Rob. Because uh-huh. we had like a character limit or something. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. So all those me, uh, media outlets we post stuff on and you can find any information about us on those. Uh, and again, go to YouTube, type in actual bank robbers. And I think you'll find a couple like security cameras video oh, really? of like actual bank robbers yeah. going on, but you also find us. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, so um, that, that's my main band that I'm one of the co-founders in and that I work with a lot. Uh, as we said before, I'm at Bush gardens. I'm there one to four times a week, depending on scheduling. Um, and you know, the, the shows change, uh, throughout the season. Um, I'm also with a, uh, an Elton John tribute band and, um, Elton John 
he, he announced his retirement tour. Yeah. He picked, I heard about yeah, this. Yeah. So he, he needed a guy to do his body double work for a bunch of like promotional videos and videos that are going to be on the tour. And he handpicked the guy I work for. Yeah. Uh, out of everyone in the whole world. He picked this guy and he was like, I, I want to work with you. You're going to come out to Hollywood. And they did this whole, like, I think it was like four weeks worth of like just videos and shoots and stuff. Um, and so that band is the Rocket Man Show. One word? Rocket uh, Man? No, that's actually two words. Oh, Rocket two words. Oh. Man Show. So three words all together. Um, and you can go to, uh, I believe the website is either rocketmanband.com or rocketmanshow.com. I can't remember which one is changed to. Okay. Um, but we have all of our dates there. Um, it's a great show. It's a great band. Elton John of. Tribute. I've yeah. seen it in a previous iteration where mm-hmm. he goes through, he does the costumes, he does all of yeah. it. Like, yeah, yeah. He, he still does stuff like that. We've streamlined it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and we've we've worked on the show a lot. And it's a fantastic show. And uh, I know he's very proud of it, and he yeah. should be. It's a... It's a fun group to be a part of, and we always have a blast with the shows there. Um, and, you know, I, um, I'm on a, a bunch of different artists' uh, CDs. Uh, Christy Lene, I'm on her CD, Stay, her studio album. Did we play a Christy gig? No, we didn't. We, didn't? We, uh, okay. we I think we missed each other. I think you worked with JT, didn't you? I think, yeah. Yeah, you on the JT gig, and I was on with uh, uh, Grady. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I worked with Grady with that one. Um what and was the the stay uh is stay. That, okay. that studio album i'm on two tracks the title track stay and on uh I believe it's a sun the sun shines through okay. is the name of the, of the second song um there's another artist uh kate judge uh her music's on spotify and itunes i'm on the full album there and i believe that one is i want to say gypsy uh i can't remember the name of the album but it's the only album she has out right now and then, um, I think, I think that's all, all that I'm doing right now. Currently, um, you know, I got some other things here and there that I'm working on for the future. Uh, we talked about that one show that I'm music yeah. directing and producing that's called the final act. Uh, it's by, uh, it's about a show. The show writer is Daniel Smith. Um, looking forward to that. Um, I'm currently building a studio in my house and, um, I actually plan to release a bunch of, um, experimental videos of me creating arrangements with percussion and, you know, writing my own music. Um, that's, you know, coming within the next year or so. Um, I'm actually really excited about that project, um, to find just a new way to really expose myself as, and use a different faucet of my creativity to find stuff. So, um, I have a website, uh, mikepinderdrums.com which is right now down but it will be up so those people listening in the future go check it out i'm sure i have some stuff up there by now <laughs> I, I think uh it, this will probably air in about a month oh okay so yeah maybe wait two months yeah so people in 2019 and forward go check that out <laughs> Um, and yeah, I, I, I work a lot with a bunch of different artists. Uh, Erica DeSegli is another artist, um, that I'm cur- I, I gig with a lot. Uh, and that's a, that's a really fun project. I love being a part of. And most of her videos, I think you can find me yeah. on, I think I'm, I'm a lo- on a lot of her material. Um, 
Yeah, and that's uh, I think that's all I can think of at this Where moment. Where can we find you? Or- uh, Facebook is the easiest way to get hold of me, uh, and that's just Mike Pinder, P-I-N-D-E-R. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Um, and then eventually MikePinderDrums.com will be up, and that's another easy way to get a hold of me. And yeah, um, come talk to me. Just ask me any questions you have or tell me how much of an idiot I am. <laughs> uh, I just want to talk to people. It sounds yeah. like fun. <laughs> cool, man. That's awesome. great. Tino, man, thank you so much, dude. Thanks thanks for being here. This man. has been thanks a lot of fun. This. And like I, I told you before, but I want to say it on on air. These are the questions people need to be asking. You know, um, like I said, when I was younger, I would skip all the business stuff and, you know, gear stuff and just go straight to how can I play with my double bass faster or, <laughs> you know, like six fills that, you know, Slayer plays and stuff like that. Uh, and no, I never stopped and asked like, hey, what can I expect when I go on a gig? Hey, like, how do I learn music fast? Or, you know, st- stuff like that that's the more practical application because if you if you if you're serious about getting gigs, chances are you can play, Yeah, you know, but it's taking it to the next level of how do you market yourself? How do you network? How do you get yourself exposed properly that no one thinks about? And it gets really, it's a challenge and it can be very daunting. Um, so thanks so much for putting together a show that talks, address those issues, man. And for everyone listening, don't be scared. You know, just, you know, be smart and go do it. And don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it, man. This is fun, dude. There it is. Mike Pinder. And thank you, Mike Pinder, for the kind words. Um, I'm glad to be doing this podcast, and I hope you are, too. I hope you've been enjoying so far the content, all the different interviews, including Mike. Um, he had a lot to say, a lot of good insight about um, about making good use of the time, being prepared for auditions, all that kind of stuff. And um, you can go and check out, please go check out Mike at his various uh, iterations, all the different things he does. I will have links to all of that stuff to actual bank robbers. I will have links to the Rocket Man and all the different things in the show notes. So whichever app you use, just um, you can find show notes right on there, and I will have a link. You can just click it. Check them out. Instagram. Facebook, he said, was the fa- best way uh, to get a hold of him. The best way to get a hold of me is email uh, musicgrindpodcast at gmail.com. Send me questions, suggestions, uh, comments, whatever else. Or Instagram, musicgrindpodcast at, no, which is the other way around, at musicgrindpodcast. <laughs> That's for Instagram. There is no Facebook, sorry. Uh, for me, uh, myself, Tito, it's at TDV Music. Uh, and yeah, there you go. Subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, all that stuff. Look forward to a new episode, um, in two weeks and some new content down the road. I'm working on it. I promise you, uh, everyone's everyone out there stay well and thanks for listening. Yeah.